new math is with my motherfuckers ass. You wanna know how to rhyme? You better learn how to add. It's mathematics. Mighty most definitely. It's simple mathematics. Check it out. I'm the around science. What are we talking about here? Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to another episode of Wise the Dome. Today is a very, very, very special episode. I have a brother that um, I've built with for a long time and had the opportunity to learn from and see him organize and just kick it and get jewels from him. And I mean, he's an educator. He's a businessman. He's a MC. He's an activist. He's like, you know what I mean? Like he, it, it, he wears all Come the on. He wears all the hats. And uh, Baba, I mean, Ojiwoke, I appreciate you for coming on, G. Oh, bro, I appreciate you having me. You know what I'm saying? It's an honor to be on Wise the Dome. You know what I'm saying? I've been waiting on my invite, man. It's an honor. It's an honor to be on Wise the Dome. God, thanks for having me. No doubt. And I tell everybody um, that you are one of the people that um, helped me to and I'm still going. I'm not saying as if I'm a finished product, right? But you're one of the people that that helped me much noise. to to get to where I'm trying to go, to help me see things um and and ways to communicate and how to study and uh what what it means to unify, you know, with uh our people regardless. I say um, you know, ideology. And that's one thing I want to ask you about. I know it wasn't one of the questions I sent you, but you know, we got a lot of, we got a lot of history. So like, yes, sir. We, um, for the people that don't know, um, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, you know, uh, on Sundays, uh, Baba Amin would have, uh, what, what he called temple. Yes. Sir. And it would be, uh, you know, brothers from brothers and sisters from the nation of Islam, five percenters, Moors, black Panthers, yes, RBGs. And it was, no fussing about ideology or anything. Yeah. It was what yeah. we were going to do. The only the religion was black people coming together. Right, right, right. And the Christians <clears throat> was there too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so, like, what was your idea with that? And and why was it important to make sure, you know, all the brothers and sisters, no matter the ideology, were able to come together and build in the manner that we did? Man, you know, first I want to give praise to the creator <clears throat> and praise to the ancestors uh, just for the opportunity uh, to be here. And I'm definitely grateful uh, uh, for the opportunity or the blessing to, to get that assignment. Right. And uh, <clears throat> the thought, the thinking, excuse me, <clears throat> the thinking behind uh, the Temple of New African Unity was, you know, how do we unify our community? Um, uh, beyond ideological lines how do we unify around those things we have in common like like you may be a five percenter i may be a christian but how do we how do we come together and like celebrate you having a family and me having a family mm. you being a husband and me being a husband mm. right a, pretty, uh, uh, a huge and powerful thing on there's so many huge and powerful things going on in our lives that we have in common beyond our ideology, sometimes as a result of how you live. So so you embrace Islam and now you embrace the concept of black family. Mm -hmm. Well, I embrace uh, Pan-Africanism. Thus, I embrace the concept of black family. But what's the commonality? 
we both believe in black family, right? Right. right? right and, and why can't we come together and talk about the strength of the black family together? You right. know, and so so Temple was all was just that it was it was we, we call it an African centered universalist spiritual space where our only religion is black people coming together. The resurrection we believe in is the resurrection of our people. So if you talk to a Muslim, they go uh, African centered Muslim. They believe in the great Mahdi and they believe that black people are going to be resurrected. Mm -hmm. If you talk to an African centered Christian, they believe the same thing. We are the true children of God, true children. Talk to Hebrew. We are the true children of Israel. The last we made first. Well, cool. Bring that belief in temple with you. Right. right? But believe that as long as, you know, uh, you you pray five times a day, as long as you leave that at the door, that that's that's your prescription to get there. But my prescription to get there might be different. But let's come together and acknowledge that we're both just trying to get there. Right. Right. That's powerful, man. I have so many great experiences there. You know what I mean? I'm glad I was yeah. able to be a part of it. Um, what was. How did you get sparked on your path to knowledge yourself? And then, because you know, like, here's the thing, because I want all of it. We got, we got a little bit of time. So, I, yeah, no problem. Your path to knowledge yourself. And then, from whenever you got knowledge yourself to actually being active, as in the key word in activist. <laughs> Right. A lot of times it's easy to get knowledge itself and we become great pontificators and right. Right. we can right. talk you a good game, right? right. Um, but we don't man, necessarily man. get amongst there with the people. It changed my whole trajectory, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I got sparked my freshman year in college. I took a black studies class, not because I wanted to, but because it was the last thing available. Mm -hmm. And I was in school on an academic scholarship, shout out to Wiley College, and uh um, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X and they came before Columbus by uh, Ivan Van Sertema and, uh, uh, you know, and and I messed around and got a teacher and shout out to Dr. A.J. Stovall. I believe he's at Fisk University now. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, he's been putting in some years if he was my teacher and he's still teaching. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, and that's when I was sparked. That, that's, that's when the spark hit me. At the same time, you know, you had uh, this was like 91. So you had the crack epidemic at home and you had the gang thing starting to jump off at home. And and um, I came home that after my freshman year and, you know, with things jumping off, I had friends going this way, going that way, you know, and I came home just searching for something black to do. Like I wanted to get active immediately. Like it, it had to be something to do. And, and, I, and I credit Dr. Stovall for letting me know that this wasn't just for talk, but something hit my spirit as well when I was studying, like, no, we got to do something about what's going on in our community. And uh, I came home and, and the first thing I found was mosque number 52 mm, of the of Nation course. of Islam, yeah. right? So in yeah. Fort Worth, you had Takuma over at Roos and Cultures Bookstore mm -hmm. and you had the mosque, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then at that time, you also had the black bookworm. So you had right. two black bookstores and you had uh, the mosque and that's it for, for anything pro-black, you know? Yeah. So I started going to all three and then the mosque resonated with me uh, thanks to the teachers of Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad. Of course, I love Minister Farrakhan, you know, but then uh, reading message to the black man was my first exposure really to the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in an extensive way. I didn't grow up in the church. You know, I was a CME, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> you know, but getting exposed, reading, reading message to the black man uh, sparked a lot. 
uh, uh, in me. And uh, just just I was blessed to be around brothers. Uh, I had a brother take me on his wing and Will Muhammad. Shout out to him, Will, you know, and brother Will was about that action, boss. Yeah. Yeah, brother, brother yeah. Will was about that action. He, you know, he so he took me on a ring and taught me Islam, but he taught me Islam while I was going door to door, you know what I'm saying, selling kente cloth, mm. going, you know, out selling the paper, you know, and talking about the conditions of our people and seeing the community up close. So I got involved immediately, mm. right? Right. And then I met my other Jagna, uh, Ricky Clark. Uh, yeah, one day while I was out in, yeah, while I was out in East Side Butler House, and shout out to the East Side, you know, I'm an honorary member, uh, uh, and, and out in East Side Butler Housing, and he was doing a Rites of Passage program with the youth out there, and he was working for the Housing Authority, and Sneak doing a Rites of Passage, because that wasn't, he wasn't getting paid to teach no black history, but he was defying them, sneaking into the community room, and teaching black history, and steps to the youth. I ain't think I like kids, even though I was just 18 myself, you know, and uh, I messed around and taught them babies a step. And I've been teaching ever since. Wow. And, you know, one jewel that I've got from that, um, that a lot of youngsters who uh, spend, maybe spend a lot of time online, um, mm -hmm. you know, in these debate groups and these. Right. And it's cool. Don't get me wrong. You know, sharpening our sword is cool, but it, that can't be our only thing. Right. Right. One thing that I, I, I just took from that and hopefully some of the youth. <clears throat> and even adults can take uh, the, the lesson from one of the lessons from that is you, Wally College, you had, you had your professor uh, in your Black Studies class that kind of sparked you. When you got home, you were building with a Muslim and mm -hmm. a Christian yeah. on your way to being a Pan-African. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. And so like, <laughs> but it was about our, it was about our people and our, yeah. and the conditions of our people. Eventually, mm -hmm. that's what it has to always be about. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. And I was fortunate that was my foundation from the jump. So that was my frame of reference. Right. My I didn't I didn't spend time in the in the uh, student union building in college in the debate. I didn't you know, and of course, we didn't have podcasting back then. Wasn't no such thing. You know what I'm saying? So so my whole foundation was community engagement. So my knowledge itself came at the same time where I could be of use to my community. You know, and it, it emboldened me to the point to where this dude from Stop Six who ain't supposed to be in Butler, you know, I'm riding a bus. I ain't have no car yet. I'm riding a bus that 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 didn't go in Butler at the time because it was so bad over there. The city bus wouldn't go in the projects, you know. So I'm riding the bus to Lancaster and Pine. You know, I got to walk through the hood up the hill to get to the community center. And I wasn't armed with nothing except wow. knowledge itself. Wow. And I had to represent myself that way from day one. So, cause I got G check. Right. Where you coming from, homie? What's up, cuz? Where right, you coming right. from? You, right. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I was always peace, black man. Assalamu alaykum, black man. You know, and, and then brothers respected that. It's like, mm. okay, okay, he on that. You know what I'm saying? Right. And 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 so that's how I approached the streets from from day one. You know, and and um, yeah, that's that's just how it is, and that's what launched it. Um, you mentioned that you went to uh, Wiley, uh, which is an HBCU in yes, Marshall, sir. Texas. Um, Texas in the house. And right on. <laughs> um, what do you think the roles are? And, you know, we'll talk about a little bit about what Dion is doing. But mm -hmm. what do you think the roles are because <clears throat> of, of HBCUs in our community? Because um, I hear, you know, now that you've moved, obviously you see a lot more HBCUs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They yeah. on every corner out here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. On every corner. Um, but uh, like, what do you think the role is? Because we know the origin of some may have 
you know, Howard Hampton, you know, may be named after Europeans, but at the same right. time, as people, as humans, we were named after Europeans, right? So right. it doesn't make us less black once we come to that understanding right. and acknowledge that. Right. But what is the role of the HBCU in our community? And what do you think, what are some things that you think they might be able to work on? And what's some, what are some things that you think they're doing well? Man, I was reading a book, a great book called uh, The Education of Blacks in the South. Uh, for the late 1800s to the early 1900s. And it talks about the development of not just HBCUs, but but black uh, secondary schools, you know, elementaries, you know, the whole nine yards. And, and there was always a, a huge debate around black education and what black education should do. People should recognize that not all HBCUs were born with the same mission. And, and you have some HBCUs that were supported by Europeans uh, uh, to teach domestic work to black people. Mm -hmm. You know, to, to teach a place in society for black people uh, uh, that that wouldn't threat white power, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's like of all things, like like what Booker T. Washington would say, you know, what I'm saying of all things economic, we could be uh, like like the same things on the same hand, that sort of thing. But the other side of it was those things political. Well, I'm sorry, not economic, you know what I'm saying? But as far as work and labor, yeah. we, we're part of the structure. But when right. it came to economic power and political power, we, we're not to be involved. Right. Not Don't worry about that, right? And, and so uh, uh, HBCUs have a very interesting birth. But what they morph in, because when you put us in the space, we're going to make it ours, right. you know, regardless, right? right. So what right. they morph into, thanks to other, you know, black educators and things like, you know what I'm saying, who came along, it morphed into a place to where not only can you go get a formal education as a, as a black person in America, but you can get a taste of your culture at the same time. Mm -hmm. It also came, turned into a place where those of us who do get in the door, right, when we do, when we, we start opening doors for, for others uh, to, to get into certain spaces, right. you know what I'm saying? Like there was a time, I don't know what the stats are today, but there was a time where about 85% of 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 working black people who are using their college degree, eighty five percent of them got that degree from the HBCU. Wow. Wow. You know, so there was a time where that HBCU degree was, if you were black, that was your professional entrance. Yeah, that was your entrance into a professional world, right? Into the so called professional world. Um, so it's played a major role. Uh, some good. Some bad. Those were some of the first schools where you had black studies departments, even though a lot of those departments have disappeared mm -hmm. today. You know, uh, uh, and and so so you know the camaraderie, uh, the the to reinforce our belief in education, uh, to go through and understand that you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. You know that support group for people who got a a degree in engineering yet you a Pullman Porter. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, right. so 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 the role of the HBCU has always been uh, uh, to provide Black people in America with access to higher education. You know, the, the the arts, the liberal arts and the humanities and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, also to reinforce black culture. And I, and I think that's what we turned it into, you yeah. know, even though that wasn't the original yeah. uh, intent. You know, I think that uh, the HBCU today, if I was to to, to make a wish, um, should be shooting for true ownership. Mm. I, I think you have a lot of HBCUs that would love to be independent of their white zaddies. You know what I'm saying? They're white institutional zaddies. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That they get a piece of the pie, you know, and, 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 you know, Prairie View A&M belongs to Texas A&M in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, Jarvis Christian College belongs to TCU. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, that true independence, you have a lot of, uh, HBCUs that sit on land. 
They have acres and acres of land, you know, a, a true community development agenda. Let's build STEM centers on that land. Why not? Why not put a a a, a STEM school, you know, a K through eight, K through twelve school on the HBCU on HBCU land? You know what I'm saying? Right. Develop whole education ecosystem. So right. the possibilities are endless, but of course the mindset has to be there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and it, <clears throat> two things I remember. Uh, uh, probably about a month ago, it was news where, and, and you know, we're not. I don't not upset with the sister or anything, but I, I just kind of, I sparked a thought. Well, that uh, sister that um, that started the majorette. Uh, right, at okay, USC. USC. Uh-huh. And, you know, some, uh, you know, HBCU alumni were like, you know, we're not mad at the sister for necessarily doing that, but we can see how college, how PWIs will begin to, adopt certain things from HBCUs that are a part of the black aesthetic that people right. go to HBCUs for. I just saw like, I don't know what, what college it was, but it was a big PWI. They had like a white drum major trying to do the stuff. That, like, <laughs> right, right, right. I saw that. <laughs> and, um, but you know, like the cultural aspect of it <clears throat> and even the fact that how you said, uh, in your black uh, studies class, you know, you met a professor that kind of sparked you. Like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> do you think even like for the cultural part of it, that with what Dion is doing, mm -hmm. see he's getting top five recruits at Jackson State. Right. Uh, college football game day. Right. Saturday was at uh, HBCU for the first time since 2008. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that because it's, they always find a way to stop this kind of thing whenever we are building for ourselves. And when I looked at the sister creating the dance group, the majorette group at USC, I started mm -hmm. to think, I was like, that might be like they Trojan horse type of thing where like, you know, they can give you, start giving you more of the black aesthetic at PWIs to keep. What do you need? A, what do you need an HBCU for? Exactly. If that's, you know what I'm saying? If that's, bring your financial aid money over here. Right. Bring your loan money over here. We'll have a mini HBCU section. At <laughs> yeah, HBU section. <laughs> yeah. We we'll have an HBCU department. Come, come, you know, you know what I'm saying? We we'll have an HBCU department <laughs> yeah. at the white university. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, I can definitely see it. I think that, uh, <clears throat> It's funny when we talk about co oping and, 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 and like with the sisters taking a major red thing. Well, the major co cultural co-op has already happened. Mm -hmm. And that's PWI took the black athlete. Yes. Because yeah. that was cultural. The yeah. white boys wasn't juking. They yeah. wasn't doing this. They weren't so so it, it, they weren't dunking. We we the, the first piece of black culture uh that 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 the PWIs jacked from HBCUs and monetized immediately was black athletics. Yes. Yep. Yep. We have our own culture on the court. Yeah. We got our own culture on the field. Yep. And that was the first thing that was co-op and HBCUs took a serious economic hit when that happened, because now I remember when I was growing up, man, in the 80s, whenever they introduced the black football players, most of them went to HBCUs. Yeah, I, I saw on, on the I was watching the Southern and Jackson game mm -hmm. and, you know, they were talking about not players that came from Jackson, five Hall of Famers that came from Jackson. Yeah. 
for yeah. how famous that company. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> because that's where we went. And and what happens is, and this is why narrative is so important. We grew up on a narrative that they those Hall of Famers went to Jackson because the white School, schools wouldn't let them in. Right, right. Instead of the narrative that they went to Jackson because that was the best place for them to be. Right, right. We we look at our traditional institutions built for us as that's that's a bad thing. That's backwards. That's in the past. And and when you're allowed to go to Ohio State, that's progress. Mm -hmm. But what what you're doing is promoting white supremacy. You're saying that whatever they build is superior to what you build. Mm -hmm. You know, and you look and say, well, they have more. Well, they have more because they stole more. Right. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. But but if we keep the, the few treasures that we do have, we should keep them mm -hmm. and we should want to keep them. And if they get them, we should get richer from that. Right. Right. As a community. So so to see the majorette, to see us say, no, you can't have the majorette. Well, you already gave up the athlete mm, already. They're already making billions, billions mm -hmm. off, of, off of black athletic culture. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know. Okay, y'all want to keep the majorettes? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so with what Dion is doing. Yeah, and the curious thing about what Dion Sanders is doing, uh, a couple of things. Number one, the pushback that he's getting from other HBCUs. I see, I peep, I peep. Yeah. You you, you saw uh the other head coach uh, 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 told him he ain't swat. Yeah. I'm swat. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. But well, he said a lot. Mm -hmm. He said a lot. Mm -hmm. Because when you get families that are that are vested in an institution for generations, a lot of times they don't want it to change. Right, right, right. Um, you, you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. like in that world, I'm just I'm like I'm just uh, Eddie Robinson Jr. But in this world, I'm yeah. Eddie Robinson Jr., right. the right. son of the greatest coach of all time. That don't mean nothing on ESPN. Right, right, right. You know. But it means everything in here. So here you come, Prime. You you play. You made money for Florida State. <laughs> you made money for FSU. Mm -hmm. So now you're here. So that jealousy or that that resentment. I'm gonna call it jealousy. That resentment is there, right? right? And then so with resentment comes a lack of trust. So are you just doing this for you, or are you really trying to rebuild HBCU? You're getting the recruits, mm -hmm. you know. But but are we putting a mechanism in place where other schools are starting to get recruits? Are we making it popular? Right? right. Everybody looking back and say, "Are you gone next year?" Because you best believe, you hmm. better believe Look, that's another the, the PWIs are blowing his phone during, up right during now. The broadcast, even like niggas go nig sometimes, man. Like on ESPN, the black, the black announcers. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, such and such gonna offer Dion forty million dollars to come, and like they're gonna break the bank for Dion mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. without giving the context and the narrative that no, what Dion is doing should he should stay at an HBCU, right? In my opinion, because he don't need the money. Mm -hmm. Obviously, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, they can they can make they can make they can make it hard to say no. <laughs> College coaches getting 10 million, 12 million a year now. Yeah, I know. I know. Guaranteed money, to too. No. Yeah. And, you know, that's and it's like what happens, though? I, I mean, you're right. Um, what happens if he does go like does it go back to being go back to normal, so to speak? Right. And, and so 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 my thing is, how do you use this attention? Mm -hmm. To actually make a, the HBCU experience more attractive, right? 
Are you levering relationships? And I like that he's getting uh, uh, ESPN. They're de- they're they're televising Jackson State games. But how? But but how do we get? How can we get some gambling games on? Can we get some non Deion Sanders coach teams? Uh, some limelight uh, uh, on the recruitment side of it. What are we building within the the football ecosystem? Mm-hmm. In HBCUs, is Dion call, calling Emmett and say, "Man, drop a million over there at Morgan. Uh, hey, do, put a new uh, uh, weight facility down there at Bethune Cookman." Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that sort of thing. So I don't know. Maybe that is going on behind the scenes. But, but what are we doing to make it more attractive? And well, one thing that may happen if Dion land a major job after turning Jackson State <laughs> around, shit, name an NFL player that ain't gonna go try to coach a HBCU. Hey, that's a good point. Especially from the 90s, because none of them made $10 million a year. They didn't make that kind of money back then. Right, right. College coaches today make more than NFL superstars made in the 90s. Yes, they did. Yes, they do. And I think we're already starting to see some. I think this offseason, mm-hmm. about two or three HBCUs hired former NFL. Yeah, because I think Eddie George is, is, is yeah, at one. Eddie George at Tennessee State. and. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and as, and as far as television, for people mm-hmm. that may not know, I believe it was Byron Allen. I'm not sure, but there's a new app called HBCU Go, where okay. you can watch all the HBCU football games and cool. basketball. And, and that's great to see to, to see that. And, and and you have to have a re, you have to revive the culture. So now HBCUs are faced with the question like. Who are you? Because people ain't really been watching. Right. So now the microscope is getting bigger. So yeah. it's like, okay, who are you? So I pray that they're, the, these institutions are ready for that kind of attention and ready to say, this is what we need in order to be sustainable. Right. This is our situation, and this is how HBCU survive. Right. You know, because you got another side of the argument that says, we don't need HBCUs because we're integrated now. That's not an issue. They want to, you know, they'll claim that HBCU is a product of segregation. We need to get rid of all vestiges of segregation. So you have that side of the argument as well, because we won't embrace the narrative that say no black people have colleges for black people because that's what we want. Right, right. Not, not because that's what we have to put up with. That's what we want. That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, because our institutions will invest in our communities. We need we need schools that'll come and 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 recruit our computer scientists, facts. not just our athletes. Yeah, facts. Because like even the story that you told about your professor, and like I saw I saw a clip of that kid. I believe his last name Hunter, who was the uh, the uh, uh, you know five star recruit, number one player in the nation that went to uh, Jackson State, mm-hmm. and. You know, it was Dion talking to him, and then he just hugged. He just hugged Dion like, like that's my uncle, that's my father, that's my coach. Like you're not getting that nowhere. Else. No, no, and no, you're not. Your own people. You, no, you're, you're not getting that. And, and he's laying down a template, I think. Right. You know that that other coaches gonna have to follow, and that's gonna be good for the young men. Yes, and 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 we'll get off of this in just a second, but okay, we know. <laughs> As SEC coaches, Nick say there's a bunch of racists, man. Oh, oh, and they hot. You, I mean, <laughs> why, why Saban even fixing his mouth to criticize right, right. the Jackson State's he head coach? Had to be on his mind. 
Yes, yeah, on his mind. He's talking about these NIL deals and <laughs> yeah, graduated NIL deals and, and blah, blah, blah. you know, in other words, he's saying, you know, he's saying, Well, you offer a nigger some money. Yeah, exactly. They offer they offer these niggers money now. Yeah. And yeah. so I can't exploit them like like we used to. That you know, we used to be able to walk in the living room and say, We're gonna give them a free education in Alabama and that's at the what University they try of Alabama. To use as you're getting a free Alabama education. You're getting a so free getting something out of it too. Man, come on. Yeah, and then, then when you get there, you're talking about, well, Coach, I had to study all night. That's why I'm late for practice. I did not bring you here to study. <laughs> I ain't bring your ass here to study. Man, get out there on that field. You better be out there. You are not here to get no education. I just told your mama that. You are not here to get no education. And get that out your head. Also going to class with that little white girl. That's Judy over there. Okay, she's going to do all your papers and keep you satisfied. Now, get on over there and go to practice. Go to practice. You're right. You're on your tooth. You must not be hitting your tooth to right. Right. What you going to class for? People don't understand the the football team brings all damn near what 30, 40 percent of the money that's coming. It's to the, the most lucrative extracurricular activity in college sports is college football. Mm. And college basketball is is right behind it. Right. It's right, right behind it. Mm. You know, the it, it issue. Mike Shashevsky, uh, you can't show him no white boy. He, <laughs> <laughs> he going he going he going straight to the east side of Charlotte. He ain't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, and, and you, you know, but but yet as an institution, and and what they've managed to do by flipping the narrative to an inclusion narrative. It allows them to maintain a racist institution mm. while making us feel like change is all, is gonna come. Right, right. So, so, so the the the, the National League of, of White Citizens still got a nice chapter at the University of Alabama. <laughs> you know, Alabama alumni still meet and talk about niggas that they lynched. You right. know what I'm saying? And right. and and things and and, and crosses that they burned right. back in the day while giving to the school. They they love talking about brother. They got a good nigger linebacker this year. Right. He, you, you, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying? No. And so we overlook that, right? That we're supporting racist institutions. Mm. We're that, sending them our children. That a lot of times participated in the transatlantic slave trade. And we clap it because he might make it to the NFL. Right, right. When people give you that type of window to go through, mm. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like we we can't get through the window without getting cut by broken glass. Right. You know, right. it's like, yeah, he can go. He's going to make it all the way there. But yeah, I just graduated a senator. That man, when he get in office, he's going to turn all these voting rights up, up, upside down. going to do all of that. Thanks. And go, oh, yeah, and the program is partially funded by the football program. Right, right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Run, nigga, run. And you know, that I didn't want to get too far until we mm -hmm. did mention Uhuru Academy. First of all, um, salute for that. And because uh, yeah, the people thanks. need to know, man, because I'm not going to say any names, but we're living in an era where people have been taking donations for schools that don't <laughs> exist for over 10 years. And uh, <clears throat> I have a brother that actually has a school and has been having a school. Mm -hmm. And so these are the people that we got to shine the light on. And so I give thanks, man. Give yeah, thanks. No so tell everybody about the school, how it got started um, okay. and how they can, you know, find more out about it and donate to it. And there's the whole nine. 
Well, the Uhura Academy is the culmination of that story that I told you about when I was 18 years old, mm. uh, uh, going out to Butler housing and discovering my love for teaching and, and kind of finding my place, finding my lane, uh, in the liberation movement, liberation struggle. You know, I learned very early. I had some great jagnaz, man. I mean, it, you know, I learned very early. You can't be all things to all people, you know, but, but find, be good to yourself first, but then find your lane within the movement and then work that. And then you have to trust everybody else to either do their part or one day do their part, but enjoy the journey. And and teaching has has been my journey, and it's been an aspect of the journey that I enjoy. Um, um, the Uhura Academy was officially founded in 2010, but it was really birthed in the Rites of Passage program uh, founded by Ricky Clark uh, and myself in Butler Housing back in 1991. Mm -hmm. uh, we went from there to set up Rites of Passage programs in Whispering Oaks, in Cavill, so other pro projects in, in, on the east side, in Regal Ridge, you know, you name a hood, we were setting up Rites of Passage programs, and, uh, you know, while Crips and Bloods was at war. While you know the trap was was jumping, right. you know what I'm saying. We in the middle of some of the worst neighborhoods, and we was we didn't go with guns. It was called Murderworth back then. Fort Worth was called Murderworth, and and I was driving through and riding the bus and driving through Murderworth, hmm. teaching Black history, tutoring math, whole nine yards. So that's when Uhura Academy, the foundation, was born because everything I teach at the Uhura Academy, that curriculum was being developed in the streets. Wow. Wow. You know, and me learning how to engage my people, learning how to, man, you know, you know how to handle 40 kids in the projects that's in your classroom that don't have to be there. Right, right, right. <laughs> you ain't got no principal to call. Right, right. You ain't got no mama to call. It's just, it's just you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out, bro. <laughs> you got to, you got to be interesting because they're going to look at it and say, this is boring. <laughs> right, 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 right. This is boring, right? And and so uh, the foundation for the Uhura Academy was laid then. Uh, 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 me and my divine compliment, we got married in 2009, um, uh, and Uhura Academy was born in 2010. And uh, I, I married a rider, you right. know. I, I married a, a sister that said, you know, I'm with you. Yeah, because I told her, I say, like, hey, you know, ain't going to be a whole lot of money because this is what I do. I had this vision. I'd already had the vision for a school. And, and I'm like, you know, I won't rest until I do it. And I've been working with young people through other programs, you know, for a salary. But those programs are just band-aids on bullet wounds and they don't want results. You know, they want the problem to stay because you can't renew the grant if you fix the problem. Right. 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 And, and so so uh, uh, Uhura Academy was conceptualized in my mind first. And then uh, once me and my wife got married, uh, uh, I worked at AT&T for a little while, you know what I'm saying? Just trying to like, okay, let's let's build up a little income. That shit lasted about six months for me. <laughs> right, right, right. And I said, I got to go, you know, and <laughs> I, I, I stepped and, and, and we founded Uhuru Academy. At first, we were just doing Uhuru camps. Uh, every spring break, fall break, summer break, we were doing camps at the Doc Bookshop and shout out to the Doc Bookshop in Fort Worth, Texas. You know what I'm saying? We would do uh, Uhuru camps there. And uh, uh, eventually we looked at each other and said, now we need to is this a school because the baby started calling it school right. right and and so i was like let's start you know we had no funding we have no money i walked off the job uh uh wife was holding it down for about three months then she looked at me and say you need my help i'm leaving the job too now we mm -hmm. got five children between us at the time and and so i said okay but you know if we don't hustle we don't eat Right. You know, and right. but the cause is righteous. So she she walked off her job. Uhura Academy was born and we did everything we could, man. I couldn't afford a building. So I got with my Jag now, Ricky Clark, who I started with. 
It was his fault anyway, okay? So I got him. He had an alternative school, and uh, he allowed us to start our school at the back of his alternative school. Uh, uh, In in exchange, I taught classes in his school while running my school in the back of the school. You know what I'm saying? And and, uh, um, so we was a truly underground school because it was against the rules for him to do that. Right. So so my students had to come in through the back or if they came <laughs> in the front, they had to pretend like they went to his school. That's right. how I met Supreme Rye Africa. Wow. He brought That's his daughter mean. Arabia to, yeah. to the underground school. Wow. Dope. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Now, yeah. the cool thing about Supreme, though, I knew his little brother, Steve. Mm-hmm. He used to come to group in Butler when I first started, when I was 18, <laughs> 19 years old. So right. now, so so that relationship turned into this relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 you, can, you can't write a better script. My, mm-hmm. my first student, though, was a little brother by the name of Rahmani Muhammad. His mm-hmm. parents were Stephen Tamiko Muhammad wow. of the Nation of 52. Islam. <laughs> Mine's number 52. Yeah, I know. Now go that connection. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you yeah. see what I'm saying? So here, here we are, Mine's 52, Will Muhammad, or yeah. Will Lex. Uh, alternative school, Ricky Clark. Right. And then here comes Supreme, right. his brother, little brother Steve, right. from, who was one of the children in Butler. So that's when I say Uhura Academy was born in Butler. Mm-hmm. It was really mm-hmm. born mm-hmm. in Butler. You know what I'm saying? And and so uh uh anyway, not to get into all the details, we were found in 2010. We were a true community school. Uh we relied on tuition and donation, but our original tuition was just two hundred and fifty dollars a month. You know, because we were thinking in terms of what can people afford? Well, let's right. just do two fifty a month. Well, the issue was we couldn't afford two fifty a month. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you right. know, everybody else could. We could. So, yeah. man, I'm talking no cable. Uh, uh, you know, got to do the cash car. You know, uh, the whole nine yards, and that's why I love my wife so much, and I appreciate her so much. Uh, and my children. Mm-hmm. I owe my children big. You know what I'm saying? Because they went through that with me. You know, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we just reached out, man. We started using social media. We was rapping. I used hip hop, every tool I had in the toolkit mm-hmm. to promote the Uhura Academy. We did it. My wife, she wasn't, she didn't rap. You know what I'm saying? But I said, you know, I looked at how Lauren Hill blew up the Fuji's yeah, and said, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. hey, let me. <laughs> <laughs> man, I wrote this high sixteen yeah. for you. Let me see. You know, they're tired of looking at me, but you, you, you fine. Let's let's, let's give you a little something. You know, you ain't gonna do the little Kim thing. You gonna, but you gonna, you know. You you know, and so and so she I got a rider. She was like, let's go. You know, and I remember we were, our first song we did together was called Breaking Cycles. And and it was a very personal song to both of us, just about breaking cycles in our own families, you know, and, and, and we began performing that and people would, would would see us locally and boom, like you notice I wasn't really putting out CDs. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't really promoting it like a rapper. I was simply using it as a tool to galvanize people. Right. So we'll throw a show or go to a show, but it was really about I'm telling you about the Uhura Academy when it's done. Uh, so that's when Uhura Academy was born. The conscious community at first was looking at me like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Because, because when I got in, involved, I was never a part of the conscious community. Right. You was, a, you was an activist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, right. so I wasn't at the conferences. I never went. I never went to anything. Right. And now when Dr. Kali came, I'd go see Dr. Kali or I'd go see uh, Ashra Crazy or something like that when, when these people were available. But other than that, no one knew me. Mm. In the in the in the in the conscious community. So when we came out with the Uhura Academy, had the audacity to start a school. You know, he was like, "Oh no!" I mean, one brother was like, "They'll call anyone a baba these days." Like, damn, dude. Wow. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? anybody. <laughs> but I was thinking to myself, "Yeah, fool, anybody can start a school. Start, mm. 
Start one. Right. Wow. Wow. Start one. You know, but my elders, like like Brother Takuma, who I respected, you know what I'm saying, uh, immensely. Of course, the family, Mama Craddock, them at the dock, you know what I'm saying, and others, they was like, let's go. You know, my 52, uh, Minister Lee was like, let's go. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, we got it going, man. And, and in the hood was like, hell yeah, let's go. Right. You know, and, and so, you know, the, we was a hood African center school. You know, we, we wasn't a contact. Mm-hmm. Our, our children, uh, <laughs> our parents spoke weed. And you know what I'm saying? So when the Hoover Academy village walk up in Pan African Connection, it looked different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Those kids are brilliant, man. And y'all do such a great job with them. Because I yeah. Yeah, well, what we found was, and this is something I learned in Butler, right? Those who have less appreciate more. Yes, yes, indeed. You know, and then when you have children who have to have survival instincts from this high, they pay attention to everything. Everything. Because you have to, yeah. you know, and I look for this one sister, uh, uh, one of our original students, and I and we got a documentary coming out about our rights passage program. But this one sister, uh, she talked about how when I interviewed her now, she's in the late, you know, I don't give up a woman's age. Right. But when she was one of our first students back in the early 90s, she said, you know, why I came to group the first day. Like, why? Because I saw a Mexican dude get shot and everybody knew that I knew who did it. And I was just hiding because people wow. kept asking me who did it. But she witnessed a murder. Wow. It, the, that's the only reason she came to, to, to group, to wow. Black History, was to get away from folks because she witnessed a murder at nine years old. Wow. 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 Nine years old. Mm. And so so now she'll tell you how just being involved in that Rice of Passage program saved her life, gave her a whole new vantage point. Look, she's real chocolate sister. Mm-hmm. She didn't think she was pretty until she got into the Rice of Passage right. program. Right, right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, 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 Coming from that, when I started the Uhura Academy, wasn't nobody coming in the school from a murder. So yeah. I, I, so, so yeah. we was ready to go. Like we, we were ready to go. You know what I'm saying? And so those children, we already understood the brilliance that our students had. We just need to pull them out. So at first, it was almost like we was an alternative school. You know, you know, your, your, it's almost like we said, is your baby bad? Bring, yeah, bring him over. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But these were brilliant children that were bucking the system naturally. They just couldn't articulate why they were bucking the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy you say that, God, because like I remember in elementary school and uh, we were living in uh, Grand Prairie. And that time, Grand Prairie was just a field. 360 is like a three. It was, 360. Yeah, <laughs> it was a field, man, you know, but um. I remember uh, being in elementary school and um, in certain classes being the only black kid in there, you know, and knowing something ain't right by how you treating everybody else mm-hmm. and how you treating me. But yeah. I don't have the bandwidth to be able to articulate what That's it right. is. So now you're turning me off from even liking school or even wanting to further my education mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of people don't really understand that is um, from from the jump, from the beginning. A lot of our children get put in these uh, schools and these situations where they don't see many people like them, or mm-hmm. with you know teachers that don't really care, mm-hmm. that don't look like them, what that treat them right. as if they are a problem. Mm-hmm. Off top, that's the working assumption when you come there, right. I was bused to a, a predominantly white elementary school uh, 
and and I remember all of us in Eastwood was man. We had to go to Bruce Shooky, which is <laughs> southwest side of Fort Worth, man. And I never forget our first day there. Mm -hmm. Our first day there, the principal, Mister Lee Cracker, pulled all of us in that auditorium, and he didn't say welcome to Bruce Shooky. He said, "I'm gonna tell y'all something. I won't tolerate you stealing. Oh wow! Tolerate you bullying the white kids. I'm watching each and every one of you." Then he said, "Welcome to Bruce Shooky." Wow. Criminalized y'all before you even got to I'm fresh off the bus. Mm. Fresh off the bus, you know, and, and so I know what our children go through, you know, and, and, and when we when you put them in an environment that they own, yes. that they feel like this is my school, this school is specifically for me. When they take ownership, they do better. It's mm -hmm. all about feeling safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I feel safe, mm -hmm. I can focus. Yeah. If I don't feel safe, I can't focus. Right, right. I could be in an all-black school, but if 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 the curriculum is still whitewashed, I'm still not safe. Right. It's hard for me to focus. Right. If you, as a black teacher, is looking at me like I'm a problem. And, this, I and, but just, and you make a good point too, because that wasn't just my only issue in school was the you know criminal criminalization of. Mm -hmm. Just my entire essence. But even when you start going through middle school and high school, you're not you're not teaching me anything within the context of <laughs> me being a black man and how this is going to help me when I get out in this world. Yes, yes, yeah. Matter of fact, I'm teaching you to avoid it. Right. I'm teaching you to ignore it. I'm right. teaching if you act like you don't see it, it's not really there. Right. Right. You, you know. And, and that you have to be this way, smile more. Mm, right, right, right. You know, you know and, and that and don't don't make a wave. Don't make a fuss. Don't make a big fuss. Martin Luther King did that already. We're done. Mm. You know, and, and, and that, that formula doesn't work for everybody. And then oh, when you're smart, you know what? You can get out. Right. Get out of what? The hood. Yeah. You can make it out. So wait a minute, I was halfway proud to live here. So right. you're telling me the goal, the goal is, is to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, ain't nothing here for you. Right. So there's nothing here for me. Now, it's something for the Arab that stole and make $500,000 a year. That's there for him. It's something for the Asian, the hair store, the nail shop. It's something for the white man you rent your house from. It's something, you, know, you see what I'm saying? But ain't nothing here for you. Mm. Nothing. Mm. But where is there something for me at? Well, if you go to college mm. and get a degree, you can get a job. Somebody'll hire you, maybe, you know. Right. But some of y'all are too black and ugly to get hired. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Some of y'all too niggerish to get hired. Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all name is too too ra ratchet. With a oh, your mama ruins hey. you, named you Shaquisha. Bob, I mean, I saw an article about you know we're going moving into the world of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, but the artificial intelligence will be just as racist as the white man will be because he is the, if he's the only one that continues to uh, produce it. Um, they had uh, <clears throat> some HR software, AI mm -hmm. HR software. It was just dismissing all the names that was. was <laughs> 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 they don't even like us in cyberspace. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah they even, you know, they don't even like us in cyberspace, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> it, it, which is why we have to educate our children to 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 own cyberspace. Yes, own our own space. It's not the internet, and you're in tech. It's an internet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, 
I'm saying? We say the internet, like that's the only place you can go to be online. Like, like the wizard has this has this secret formula that right. where everybody can email each other and no one else can build that. Right, 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 right. You know, uh, that's why we have, you know, we're not just an African center school, we're a STEM-based school as well. Mm -hmm. Science, technology, engineering, uh, 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 the arts, and mathematics. And you can't have uh, an African center school uh, if you're focusing on STEM and you're not focusing on the arts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You just can't, they go hand in hand, you know. But but yeah, man, just speak what you're saying with AI being racist, you know, it, it's still beholden to its programmer, mm -hmm. beholden to the algorithms that it's attached to. Mm -hmm. And, and and so boom, that that's that's what so Shaquisha, the, the the damn robot won't hire you. Right, right, right. And did you see on uh Twitter they said uh day after day after uh um Elon Musk uh Elon Musk um I guess became the owner of Twitter, like the word nigga went up five hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's trending, it's trending. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, it's just but you're right, STEM steam. <clears throat> to add the arts but um it kind of brings into this next question i wanted to ask you mm -hmm. i have been you know you talked about a rites of passage and the rites of passage program that even you were doing before you actually created the huru academy as a school when i think about um, um one of the things i think about when i think of rites and rites of passage is that scene in roots right where where uh they take all the children to the you know, to the woods and the chiefs are there, you know, they grilling them and having them do these different things and, you know, making them ready. Um, and then we <clears throat> tied into kind of what's going on now with like Kanye. We mm -hmm. have another group at 13. Uh, they have their own rites of passage mm -hmm. where they pledge allegiance to their community and another nation mm -hmm. over there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Right, absolutely. And, um, but as us, as black men and black women, mm -hmm. um, coming from a tradition, you know, most of us are obviously Western Central African as far as genetically and historically, but coming from a, coming from that, where no matter what tribe you, you're talking about, whether we possibly came from, or <clears throat> they had some type of rites of passage. Right. Now, there is absolutely no rites of passage um and mm -hmm. how do you think that affects us let's talk about the men especially how does having a right rites of passage for young boys um who are going to be entering into manhood like why is something like that important and i know it's important for the girls too you know what i mean um mm -hmm. but i want to speak for to the boys at, at the, right here. Well, well first i'm gonna say that all cultures have a rite of passage mm -hmm. And we are the most rite of passage in people that you ever want to find. Mm -hmm. I remember when 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 my, my sisters got a certain age, it was time to get their hair straightened. That's mm. what right, right, right. Uh uh, I remember being a certain age, my cousin took me around the corner and I had to fight Quincy. Yeah, yeah, that's the rites of passage, right on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once I went out fought Quincy, we ain't no punk. <laughs> different after that. I was on a different level after yeah. I fought Quincy. You know, you've gone through several rite of passages in your life, mm -hmm. right? The key to a rite of passage ain't the right, it's the passage. Mm -hmm. And it's the destination 
at the end of that passage. Okay. And the definition of manhood defines which type determines what type of rite of passage you're going to have. You know, when I got a little older, you know, uh, uh, having sex was a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. You know, when I got a little even older than that, having sex with a lot of girls was yeah. a rite of passage. You know, I'm a man now because I'm laying up. You know what I'm saying? Doing this. I got a little money in my pocket. That's a rite of passage. You know what I'm saying? Our, our key is, our thing is like when you, when, when, when the other people's children go through it and all that, to, for them, it's about saying, you're about to go through some things naturally as a human, but let me focus you on a goal. Let me focus you on a legacy. Let me let you know wherever you deviate, however, even you grow up and you be a complete prick, be an Italian prick. Right. Jewish prick and understand that you got to come back to this and if you come back to this this will be there for you so even if you get hooked on drugs this will be there for you you, you, you understand what I'm saying mm -hmm. you can't have that type of rite of passage in a community that doesn't want to be a community hmm. right our generation the integration generation we were raised with the goal of our culture and race disappearing yeah only quote we got from Dr. King was he looking for the day with little black bars and little yeah. <laughs> girls and, and just for continent category. So we don't even want you to look at our skin. Yeah. Yeah. So so if we if we're coming up in a in a in a in a society where our goal as a people is to assimilate and integrate, then a rice of passage into black manhood gets in the way. Mm. Anything that reminds us of our blackness, of our African roots, it gets in the way. So the rites of passage towards success for us has been moving away from the culture, not embracing the culture. But those of us who don't fit into that, we're in the hood, even in our madness, still practicing rite of passage. You I, try to go be a crip. I bet you go through a rite of passage. Right, 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 right. It might even, not even to join our, even to join our organizations. Like Nation of Islam, Black Panthers, all that. Yeah, yeah. Join the fraternity. Yeah. You know, so so we do rites of passage, but what we don't have is a goal at the end of the passage mm -hmm. that builds a community. So so if 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 we say no, we want to build strong, healthy families, then you gotta develop a rite of passage for that. Yeah, right. right. You know, you know, it's a reason why. You see some some families in other cultures where he he done slept around twenty times. She popping volumes just to cope, but they stay married. Right, right. They stay married because they're beholden to a culture. Mm -hmm. That culture shields them. So so I have this pious look up front. Right. We ratchet in a mug back. <laughs> right, right, right. We're in a unique situation where we say, we ratchet in the mud. Can we come move by y'all so we can look pious? Right, 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 right. Man, you know, <clears throat> with that said, I, you know, I had to ask you, uh, the Hakob Kanye thing, right? Yeah. And, and I've been, I try not to be like, uh, taking any type of emotional standpoint on it. For one, like, um, I'm not, <clears throat> the more I began to learn, the less, even though I keep up with it because of this is where we live and I'm not, I'm not going to not know things. Right. And I'm not going to not know what's going on. Right. <clears throat> and, and plus, I mean, if it's on the 24 hour feed all day, every day is a lot of times there's no way for you to not know. Right. But I've been thinking about um, the whole idea of anti-Semitism versus anti-Zionism. Right. Which I think are two different things. 
Right. Um, but anytime you critique that community, mm-hmm. it could, I'm talking about it could be a well thought out book or review report. It don't matter. <laughs> Say it with love. Yeah, yeah, you can say it with love. You're anti-Semitic. I saw a guy today, it was a rabbi. He uh posted something about um the 91 um riots in Crown Heights that started over a Jewish man hitting a, a black kid and no, what what was yeah, was it a I believe it was a Jewish man that hit a black kid in a car. Or it could have been the other way around and something happened. I'm not sure. I don't know the whole details. But anyway, when the rioting happened, he compared the black people who were out and being involved in certain things to the Nazis in Germany. Yes. And so, but (laughs) crazy, but Mm -hmm. but that level of being able to weaponize critique to where you will lose money, you'll lose your standing, and you know... Right, if you're beholden to that. If you're beholden to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are your thoughts on that, man? Um, <clears throat> When you enter into a relationship, and it's not an even relationship, you know what I'm saying? It's a relationship, a power relationship. You know, I think looking at the yay situation, you're looking at power. This is a This is a conversation about power. It's a study and power dynamics and what Ye is doing <clears throat> on on a certain level is challenging the power relationship mm-hmm. and challenging traditional power dynamics. He's calling a bluff. Yeah. But he thought it was a bluff. Yeah, it wasn't no bluff though. I don't want no bluff. And it, and and he's 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 really putting a litmus test out there saying, okay, I've reached this status as a billionaire, as one of the richest black men in history. Let's see if I'm really free. Mm. let's see if I'm really free because I'm really free. I can say whatever I want to say right? and come out on the other end. Okay. Right. Right. Now he has to ask himself, does okay mean still have a billion dollars? Right. Or does okay just mean a sound mind body? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, uh, That sort of thing. You know, these are relationships that he's always, always that he has always uh, already entered into, and if you look at Ye, he's never had a boss he didn't buck a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He questioned Jay Z. You know what I'm saying, Rockefeller? You know he's never been somewhere saying this is where I'm gonna be. It's always been I'm going to the next level. Even in the statements he made, I'm jealous. I want that power. Right, right, right. Right. So so we're looking at a power dynamic and a power relationship, you know. So and as far as that group and wep- weaponizing anti-Semitism and, and, and things like that, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's showing that we have a perceived threat here. Mm-hmm. This is a perceived threat. This man has a voice. He has a platform. It's almost flattery. Right. Right. That they go deem and go. If I said it right, like me and you avoid saying Jew, like they're going to come get us. They're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not. We're not quite on that radar yet. You, you, you know what I'm saying? But, but he is definitely on that radar. And and for him to, to do that, you know, is amazing. Now, am I caught up saying, yes, he's doing this for black people? I, I can't say what's in the man's heart. I'm definitely not going to say he's a, I think he's trying to get into a room that traditionally black people can't get into. So just like they're, and he pulled 
the 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 racial exploitation card. So they say, oh, we the kings of racial exploitation card. <laughs> right, right, so right. Play card like we play the card. Let yeah. you let me show y'all we play the card. Since you want to go out and say we exploiting you, let me watch. Watch as powerful as we are, we'll convince the world that you're exploiting us. Mm. Wow. Because we control the narrative. Right. right. And I'm going to make all your industry friends agree with us. Right. Right. And you know, it's funny. As soon as he lost his billionaire status, the major news channels were celebrating. But somehow, for somehow, like this shit happened in like a span of like two or three days. Mm -hmm. He loses his billionaire status. Puff Daddy gains billionaire status. And it's like, yo, this just don't seem like it's his... To have a new nigga next year. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll have a new nigga next year. Is, that, is it ironic that he was on Puff's station when he got caught up? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's ironic that Nori apologized, revolt, backtrack, you know what I'm saying? And they got their reward. You that, know, that looks. And this, what's crazy about that is Nori apologized. He but he went on three white podcasts right after that, talking the same. They not apologizing for having them on. They're getting paid for them views that that are, that that interview was generating. They're getting applauded for challenging him. Exactly. Yeah. They're getting applauded for challenging him and, and and that sort of thing. So again, this is a power relationship, and and it's also showing that even your most popular black personalities, they're not owners. Right. Right, they're not owners, and they don't believe in free speech. Nah, hell, hell no. Nah. And yeah. so, let, so let me ask you this though: like, when it comes to power, because I, you know, you see a lot of people say like, we need to be like them, we need to be like the Jews. Like, you, you, you spit anti-blackness, and then you know we should be able to, <clears throat> to cancel you, shut you down. Let me ask you this though: that power dynamic is obviously backed by a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of power that mm -hmm. is international. Right. It's global in scope. Yeah. Yes, so it is. When we say that, I get the sentiment. But are we there yet in scope where we can say, hey, man, you know, we don't like such and such <laughs> you know, and, and the anti-blackness, we canceling it. Well, we have to agree on an identity and we have to agree that we love ourselves first as that. You mm -hmm. can't avoid being it and then defend it at the same time. You can't have it both ways. You you, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like like you can't divest, fully divest in black-owned businesses and black commerce and then protect black people at the same time. Like, you know, like as a black business owner, I'm half-ass offended when I see black people stand up and fight racism and knowing y'all ain't supporting me. Right. You're not supporting black other black-owned businesses. I see so many black-owned businesses struggling. So that, then I see 500, I'm in Fort Worth, and I see 500 people at a march against police brutality. Why y'all don't come to the dock? Right, right. Why the dock bookshop calling and talking about we need to hold an event because we're trying to keep the doors open? Mm. Why is Mama Quete out there like, we got to move again because da 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 but then we're, so, so if you're just responding to racism because you're afraid that it might hit you, right? then you can't protect yourself as a people. You're vulnerable because you're not putting anything in place to secure and protect yourself in between incidents. Right. You're only black when something happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so that's the thing. But we have the power. We, we're we more unified than any people on the planet. We've been wearing Jordan since 86. <laughs> right. Right. 
That ain't black unity? Yeah, man, it is. It is. If we say it's polo, it's polo. Mm -hmm. We say it's Louis Vuitton, what is it? It's Louis Vuitton. Vuitton. Yeah. Ask Adidas about black unity. Right. Nike about black unity. Ask Polo what black unity do. The irony of Adidas as well, I just found out that they were started by a couple of Nazis. Yeah, I know. They dropped the drop yay for being anti-Semitic. Irony blew up with black people with Run DMC had a song called My Adidas. We don't own Adidas. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, so, so we have power that we can't tap into <clears throat> because we don't want to be the source of that power. We don't want to be what we have to be in order to recognize and utilize that power. Mm -hmm. right. We have it. It is there. We have it. We can be just as strong as any other group. But you have to decide you want to be a group first. We have to get through this phase where we hate each other. We resent each other. You know, we're afraid. So when me and you come together for some unity, you know, I'm scared. I'm not going to say I'm scared. You're scared. We think Big Brother watching. Our only black history, you know, is Dr. King getting shot in the face, Malcolm mm -hmm. killed, and, and Black Wall Street getting burnt down. Right. So we both scared. So as soon as you fart in the meat and it stinks, see, he nasty. That's yeah. why we can't come together. I ain't <laughs> next meet. See, I'm, see, I knew. I knew that brother. I knew that brother wasn't down. I knew that. No, it ain't about that brother. You're scared. Yeah. We, to the point where we're going to have to do something, invest in something. You don't want to do it, and you don't want to give up your Netflix money. You don't want to give up your blunt money. You know what I'm saying? And you're looking for out. You're looking for an out. You don't want mama where you out there doing that black stuff, boy. You, so now you're looking for an out. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, until we can get past something like those hurdles, we have the power. Is there. We so unified, it don't make no sense. Right. Right. The best boy, the most effective boycott in the last sixty years has been the black boycott against black-owned businesses. Ooh, damn, damn! That leads me to this question: um, being an educator, <clears throat> and we, you know, we talk about uh, the civil rights movement, right? And we had, you know, Brown versus the Board of Education. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was talking to Raheem Shabazz <clears throat> on the show who did the uh, elementary elementary uh, genocide. I was just with him this weekend. Yeah, dope, dope, dope. And so um, one narrative that you hear a lot is the teachers, our teachers, a lot of them were unqualified, didn't, you know, um, or, or didn't graduate um, high school themselves. Right. Um, you know, <clears throat> we know that some of the facilities might not have been all of that great, um, but, you know, some were um, they I, they'll take the a narrative from like the most rural part of the South. Right. Right. They'll go down into Tugaloosa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so but with that said, like. he Well, yeah, one thing he told me about that, he said it integrated schools. And sent, I guess, then forgot the number of, of black children he said to these schools, but it left about eighty thousand black teachers out of work. The ones that knew our mamas, the ones that knew our grandmamas, the ones that knew us when we were children. Mm -hmm. Like, if Not you can, that. like, what are your thoughts on? 
you know, pop stores that depended on children coming in buying candy and all that. It devastated the community. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Because a lot of times they were busting them somewhere else where outside of the community, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but what do you think about how, you know, we look not just uh, white folks, but black folks too, in a lot of ways, we look at Brown versus Board of Education as an extremely monumental thing that integrated schools. Like yeah, like it was a victory. Was it a victory? No. Mm. Um, and 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 many people at the time knew it wasn't going to be a victory too. Mm. All you had to do was ask the black-owned bus company. Mm. All you had to do was ask black. You notice when we get taught about civil rights, we don't get to talk about any heroes that were black business owners. No. No. During that time, there were more black-owned businesses than we have today. We had a whole baseball league. You know, there's no Montgomery bus boycott without the black-owned cab companies and car companies mm. that, that that would give people rides for free. Mm. We never hear about that. Mm. Uh, it wasn't for the black gas stations and corner stores where people could park safely and 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 and, and get in the car. If it wasn't for for black-owned business, Dr. Keenum didn't just meet in churches. Right. They met in bed, black on bed and breakfast, black on hotels, things like that as well. You, you know what I'm saying? But the black business owner has been wiped out of the narrative. When the NAACP was founded, right, uh, W.B. Du Bois was at the table. Ida B. Wells was at the table mm-hmm. and other prominent leaders was at the table. Many of them left within the next the, the first five to 10 years of the organization. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because there was lack of an economic agenda. Mm. Well, it was an economic agenda, but the agenda was exploitation. Mm-hmm. Integration, as it was implemented, was nothing but a, 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 a go get the bag, to go get the black bag, because what the, the those folks that were standing next to us had re- realized when they started coming into the black bottoms and black side of town is that they yeah, just putting money under their mattress. <laughs> yeah. They, they, have you heard the stories of Big Mama having a whole bunch of money in a, it's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you had towns like Wilmington, North Carolina, and other places where the dollar was circulating in the community for 11 months, a year, before Damn. we leave the community. Damn. Okay? And and you had uh, Haltom City in Fort Worth, Moser Valley. The Haltom same. City was? Yes. What? Man. tell that now. The south side of Fort Worth mm-hmm. was a black mecca. Mm. as dollars being circulated in the community, right? Mm. And so what integration did, if you go to any city, the school system is probably one of the top three employers of the whole city. Mm. Okay. Mm. Every school is employing teachers, mm. employing janitors and maintenance people. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And then you got people who feed off of the school. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Vendors, I mean, the whole nine yards, right? And so when they made the case in in the, in that in that decision, they said that you know they did the doll test where the little girl's looking at the black doll and she picking the white doll over the black doll, and they said this is why we need to integrate. Well, that they that was a perversion of Mamie Clark and Kenneth Clark's experiment, right? Mm-hmm. They, they didn't suggest integration; they suggested more exposure to positive black images. Yes, yes, right. It, it to fix that, but but we somehow we we let them convince us that. That being around more white people will make you pick the black dog. That doesn't make any. It don't make sense. Yeah. Oh, I know what will make you feel better about yourself. I'm going to ship you across town and make you go to school with white people. And that's going to build your self-esteem. Mm. So so integration, um, to me, was just like integrating baseball. 
Mm -hmm. The deliberate economic grab because where your child goes, your tax dollar goes. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Right. And you had several cities who had black powerhouse schools. I am Terrell was one in Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am Terrell was a powerhouse school. And children who went in I am Terrell was in the middle of the project. Mm -hmm. And you had generations that, that was coming out of Butler housing, right? Mm -hmm. And they were coming out of poverty, right. coming to I am Terrell. Matter of fact, when you get into the 70s and 80s, most of the black leaders in Fort Worth graduated from I am Terrell. Right. Once they integrated, they shut down I am Terrell. Mm. Shipped everybody to Arlington Heights. By the time I got the Butler 91 doing rights of passage program, I was told that in the previous 10 years, no, seven years, Prior to me coming, only 10 people out of Butler had graduated from high school in seven years. Wow. Wow. It went from being a, a factory of black excellence. Right. To being a prison factory. Right. And a poverty factory. And now you have four and five generations of families still in the projects. Mm -hmm. Some that were still in there until they tore them down uh, two years ago. So that's the thing. Um, I've seen people say, and so like that to me that sounds like when you take it a step further right mm -hmm. and you start to remove the teachers that were i mean we think a community leader it's not just mm -hmm. uh somebody with a sitting on a roster with a bullhorn talking right. about black power they didn't integrate at the top right right exactly at the bottom yeah. they didn't integrate the money Right. They didn't say it's money going over here to Arlington Heights. We need to bring some of that money over to I am Turl. Right. They didn't integrate the principals. You know what? We need a black principal at a white school. Mm. See, they, they, they don't integrate at the top. They integrate at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So you lose power. Even though you even though you didn't have full power, you weren't as powerful when you was over here so-called segregated. You had way more power than when you were so-called integrated. And that's and you know it's crazy because my like even uh, speaking to my own mother, you know, she'll tell me the difference. And she, she was like, when she looks back on it, like her experience with the teacher that she grew up with and the, uh -huh. and the community, the black kid, she's like, nah, she's like, it was, right. it was, it, we right. were good. We were straight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There were things we may not have had, but yep. we didn't even know we didn't have. This is one thing I've learned being an educator for 30 years. Uh -huh. It's not the, the quality of computers you have in the school. Mm. It's not whether or not you can pass a state test. 90% of your success comes from how you feel about yourself mm. and confidence. That's why you had black teachers who didn't have high school diplomas, but were, the, were excellent teachers at the same time. Because just because I don't have a high school diploma, that don't make me stupid. Right. That don't mean I can't read, don't mean I can't write, don't mean I can't do math. And it definitely don't mean that I can't make you feel good about yourself and teach you to appreciate education because I don't have one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a formal education right. and we knew the difference between education and formal education the mm -hmm. formal education is just your pass your pass to enter into the workforce yeah real education is is bringing out the greatness that's inside of you and we sacrifice that for formality we mm -hmm. sacrifice that that real education for the formal training that'll get us uh uh you know these pseudo promises that's going to get us in the world and a few of us got through but the masses paid for it mm -hmm.
Yeah. So you the integration, you get mass integration. Then you get a, a recession in the late 70s, early 80s, where in, in a lot of major cities where you're losing jobs, right? And then you get a crack epidemic after that. Mm. And I would say that's just a coincidence, but it happened everywhere. Right, right. Can't be no coincidence, man. It everywhere. <laughs> we all got the same story. Right, right. Right. You know, and, and and so uh and we all know that if you study uh capitalism and capitalist societies or colonialism and colonial societies, the best way to control the masses is with gun with liquor. Mm -hmm. Keep them distracted, you know. They, they did that same thing with the Native American as they did like yeah, they did alcohol. You know, I don't get drunk. Go on one thinking about escape. Right. You know, and, and and so, uh, uh, yeah, integration. You know, I'm matter of fact, I'm working on a book. I, Lord, I'm gonna finish one one oh, day. Uh -huh. Working on one called uh, the Integration Report Card. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't. Ah oh, man. You know, we we up we we over sixty years up from Brown versus Boyification. It's time to give it a report card. How do we yeah. do? Yeah, yeah. No, that's gonna be important. Definitely gonna be important. What, what are the gains? What are the losses? How did we do? Mm. It, I'm, I'm, it, it's, it's almost to a person nowadays, man. Like I was on uh, uh, one podcast, he had to go find somebody black that said integration was good. Like you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> what's good for us? You gotta go find people, <laughs> right? You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 usually it's just gonna be somebody who can say it was good for me. Yeah, it was good for it was good for them. They got paid That's somehow, true. or you know, they getting going to the workforce, getting a great job. Right, right. But if you if you ask the question, was it good for the black community? No, even white people write about how bad, uh, what a failure uh, integration has been uh, for the black community. And it's like a, it feels like a, it's like, you know, like with technology and Pandora's box, like once it's open, though, it's, you know, right. we'll, we'll never go back to being, I don't, um, like legally segregated unless, you know, they bring some more apartheid shit back, which is not, they're not opposed to. Well, you know, Segregation, Malcolm, we're more segregated today than we ever were back right. then. You know, Malcolm X describes segregation as when someone from outside of your community controls the economics and politics inside of your community. Right. Has nothing to do with going to use a water fountain. Ain't got nothing to do with black people and white people living on different side of town. You're mm -hmm. segregated when someone from the outside controls the economics and politics on the inside. That's segregation. Right. When you can, if you control the economics and politics, then you're separated. That's right. now the love people, love everybody. People, y'all can come argue against separation. Mm -hmm. But when you think that that segregation is anti-love and 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 we need integration, you're way off track. You have your your definition because because I can integrate you and keep you segregated. So I can bring a few of you into my community, but I still control the economics and politics inside of your community. Right. You know, like you had mentioned, um, like when they integrated baseball, like, and you think, like, I, I got this book, I think it's called, like, Shadow Ball, and they were talking, um, like, you know, so they were, like, in the 30s, 20s, 30s, they had a game, black people filling up Yankee Stadium, nothing but black people, Duke Ellington, people like that, you know what I'm saying, at these games, um, but the narrative, whenever you know, later on in the, in the late forties, when uh, Branch Rickey, you know, signed uh, Jackie Robinson, the narrative is um, 
it was out of the kindness of our heart and somebody it's trying to buck the system. Yeah, yeah. Those ideals are old and archaic in this <laughs> for change. Right, right. Can't keep the Negro out forever. Exactly. But it's an example of them draining resources from our community to add to theirs. And, and, and you know, you have to get a people's mentality to a point to where they don't see the insult in saying, we're going to allow a black man to play professional baseball. Mm. You you have to make us forget that we're already playing pro ball. Right. We have to make the assumption that your pro ball is superior to our pro ball, that that's real pro ball over there. When we had a multi-million dollar mm. baseball league. And just for the fans to know, when the Negro League All-Stars played the white All-Stars, the Negro League All-Stars used to win, so... Used to win, yeah. right? And think about if we still control the league, mm. the Dominicans will be playing for us. Yep. All these Cubans, all these people are coming. Yep. They'd be playing for us. And for us. You know, um, Skip Bayless one time, was, um, he's like, yo, there's not too many black people in baseball no more. And then uh, what's the brother name? Uh, Chris Broussard. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen him on Sarnetta, so I think he, he kind of knows. He knows. Right. He was, nah, he was like, uh, them brothers just speak Spanish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh skip you know it's funny skip was like i don't know about that and he was like I, they don't understand the right of a black diaspora right right they don't they don't get that 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 thing that that whole you know we we what skip wanted to say was no i meant niggers yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's not too many. I'm sorry, I didn't say it wrong. I mean, our blacks, our blacks. I mean, our blacks, not, yeah. not, not those, not those, you know. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, y'all, I mean, one of you, Chris. Right. That's what I meant, you know. Okay. So, so, yeah, man, but yeah, you know, when we teach about uh, uh, the integration of baseball, we teach it as an economic attack on the Negro Leagues as a response. Mm of a successful economic enterprise being built by the black community. Uh, they took advantage of a curriculum that taught that white is right. Cause even if you were an educated black man, you were educated quoting Shakespeare, you were educated quoting, you know, studying uh, uh, Darwin and all that type of shit. So, so white supremacy is embedded in you. You wanted inclusion more than anything. The white man's ice cream was colder. So they said, all we have to do is bring one in. Mm -hmm. You bring one in, it's going to instantly devalue what they own. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. But when you lose the Negro League baseball, you know how many black landowners relied on them barnstormers to come through? Right. Yeah. The black hotels, you know what I'm saying? All of the events that's attached to that. So now we're celebrating the death of an enterprise because the narrative is, you know, it was so unfair that black people wasn't allowed to play major league baseball. You know, that kind of made me think of, I never, I don't think I've ever looked at it like this, but like black enterprise is like an ecosystem where one enterprise goes down, it's going to affect another right. black enterprise over here. Yeah, that's how, that's how business works. Mm -hmm. That's how circulating dollars work. That's why we say circulate the dollar. Mm -hmm. You know, not just buy black, circulate black. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, if you if you you got a gig tonight and you need a suit, then then come to the black tailor, get your suit. Go right. to the black cleaners and get it clean. 
You know what I'm saying? Then go speak at the black theater and then people going to pay the black theater to come see you and they had to go get their suits clean. Right. You know what I'm saying? Then they need to get their car washed. They went to the black car wash. So so all this and it's all this is in one concentrated area. The dollar never leaves. It right. ain't got to do with race. It's proximity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's proximity. We should be raising our children to build businesses within proximity of each other. Mm -hmm. Everybody not going to the NBA. Somebody can start a cleaners. Right. Somebody can be a truck and have the trucking company. Somebody can have the grocery store. These are human beings running grocery stores. Is it something inbred in black people to where we can't take inventory? No. Now, now, do you, now, let me ask you this, though. Do you think we've gotten to a point to where the imagery we see as far as yeah, that sounds like good money, but I need millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like, you know, like the whole idea of the athlete entertainer seems to be a huge mm -hmm. motivating factor to a lot of our youth and grown men, too. You ain't never lied. And to the point to where when we don't make it, we play like we do. Mm, right. Income tax come, everybody rich. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? You and you mess around, cash a check. You, yeah, get get into that bag. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and so that the imagery again, narrative is important, and that's right of passage too. You know, it, you know, it, it, but narrative is important, and when you don't control the narrative, that that that's that's what happens, right? And it's good money. I was talking to a group of boys in Phoenix, Arizona. I do a group with them every Wednesday night. Shout out to the uh, RBGs out in Phoenix, right? And I'm talking to them, and I'm like, who's the richest man in the NBA? So they like LeBron. They naming players. Da -da -da -da. I was like, wait a minute, though. But if LeBron making that much money, how much do people that pay him make? Hmm. Right? It was like, oh, the owners. I say, okay, well, guess what? They don't own basketball teams for a living. Right. That's not what they do for a living. What did they do to get that? Of the top 10 richest owners in the NFA, I mean, in the NBA, like, like six of them have tech careers. Mm, right. Mark you know? Cuban. Yeah, Mark Cuban, tech career. Uh, Paul Allen. Mm -hmm. not Paul Allen. What's the one that owns uh, the Blazers that had Microsoft? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot his name. But I know who you're talking about. Let's look it up, though. Right, right. The one that, you know, brother is, is, is filthy with 90 billion, something like that. Like, he's filthy. White dude, right? Right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, so my, my whole point to them was... And wait, didn't he get called some racist shit too? Most likely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and so my whole point to them was that's accessible to you as far as those careers. You can make money. Mm -hmm. You know? And so we're not, the corner store, the average Arab-owned corner store in the hood makes between $350,000 and $500,000 a year. Damn. Raise your hand if you wouldn't mind having a business that made half a million dollars a year. Right, right. Mm. And they ain't got to clean that motherfucker up. They ain't got to clean it. Mm -mm. But they, they, they don't even still got to sell products that got a good expiration date on it. Got black and miles in the candy jar. <laughs> half a million a year. Man, it was in Stop Six. Got Stop Six is a little donut shop down the street from Dunbar High School. Mm -hmm. Korean owned. He sold donuts in the morning and hamburgers at lunch. <laughs> okay. He he made half a million dollars a year for for the time for the for a few years that he was there, and then packed up, moved back to Korea. Mission accomplished. Wow. He came over, got the bag, and left, selling donuts and hamburgers to black people. And he can't even cook hamburgers better than black people. No, right, 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 right. Wow, that's crazy. 
You know, we don't think about it though. We don't think about it like that. We think we ain't educating no every store in every school in the hood should have a school store and have children working in them. We should demand as black people that 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 we take over retail in our areas and train our children to do it. Right. Right. We got to show them the real numbers. We don't show them the real numbers. Right. Right. So so, so we look at the, you. You'd rather not have a job and spend money at the store than to have a store. Right. Right. So we flip the narrative. And that's that's part of the thing with the like when we say African center. We're not just talking about teaching black history. We're talking about teaching a perspective, an, emp an empowerment based perspective where you can look at what's already in your hands and find value in it. Mm. It's already value in our community. It's already value in our culture. We say we don't have a rice of passage. Yes, we do. All we do is rice of passage. What we don't have is a passage. We don't have a destination, a healthy destination for the passages. Mm. Right is that? Yep. You're right. You're right. But if the passage, if the right of passage was to own the shoe, Jordan would go broke. Yeah. The shoe would. Yeah. Yeah. If the writer passes told us we create our fashion, we create our clothes. You are a creator. The creator created you to create. Do you remember like in the 90s, it was like a like in an influx of black owned clothing, mm -hmm. Shabazz Brothers, yeah, Carl Knob, like mm -hmm. all of this stuff, right? And then suddenly that wasn't cool no more. It, it was Louis Versace and yeah. You know? Yeah, hip hop culture, man. Yeah. You know, looking at you got to look at the the evolution and de evolution uh, of hip hop culture. But then you got to look at the relationships in hip hop. When hip hop became a global phenomenon, you had people like Russell Simmons and all that that were negotiating partnerships with 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 powerful brands and and convincing them that no, you got to put a black face on the ownership. So so for example, I believe Russell Simmons said in one video he owned fifty one percent of Def Jam. Not he didn't own Def Jam. He owned fifty one percent of it or fifty point one percent. Of, of fat farm you, you know what i'm saying it's like you put a black face on the ownership so you're getting we got a lot of a lot of those black owned products were pseudo black owned products or black co-owned products in the 90s and but the marketing the marketing tool was to put a black face on it because what else did you have in the 90s million man marches mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what else did you have in the night political hip-hop mm -hmm. public enemy so so it wasn't stylish to come out and say, yeah, Gucci this and Gucci that. You know what I'm saying? We were riding a cultural high thanks to hip hop culture. But then, of course, the uh, corporate America figured out a way to monetize it uh, uh, and, and, and kind of take it in a whole nother direction. So by the time uh, uh, Pac come along, we transitioning out of Kalkana and into Versace shirts. Right. And it's crazy. And because he's the one. That did the Carl Cannot ad for Carl Cannot for free when mm -hmm. he was just coming up. He was like, You ain't gotta pay me. Um, and yeah. that reminds me, and uh we'll we'll cut it short now because I could go on. You my brother, I could build with you for hours, man. But um I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, same here, same here. But and uh do you remember in Bamboozle? That's what they were telling him with the Mantan manifesto. Mm -hmm. They were like, We can do the biggest buffoonery, coonish type shit. But if we put a black face as the person that created it, it'll be accepted. And right. Like, that's, what, that's what they did. And obviously with a lot of things these days, as far as culturally well, and what we deem as culture um, right. is 
bullshit just with a black face on it. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's what integration does. And that's another side effect of pseudo-integration. We're confused as to what success is. We equate inclusion to success. We equate getting our foot in the door to success. So we'll say, at least he's in the door. Representation matters. Representation matters, right? And and so and so we're confused, and 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 we're and we're constantly at each other's throats because we're confused. Right. We're not sure about what success means for Black people in America. We have not agreed upon that, you know. And so, uh, uh you get bamboozled, yeah. you know. In in that, and that's why in my journey, I thank the Creator that I was pointed towards education. Because everything just kept every every issue in our community that I ran into led me right back to the classroom, right, led me right back to the programming, right. Everything, everything led me led me right back to education. We're not in the fighting phase. Mm. We're, we're not in the the take up arms phase. Mm-hmm. In that phase, you know, we're not even in the economic development phase. Mm-hmm. We're in the we're in the re education phase. Right. Right. That, that's the phase we're in. And, and, I, and I believe that's where the primary focus needs to be when, when you know, when I talk to my RBG comrades I, and when I, when, you know, and, and um, uh, Mom and Koya and I were also co-ministers of education for the provisional government of Republic of New Africa mm-hmm. right now. You know, and, and we, I, every movement I'm involved in, I try to convince everybody we need to be the education movement. Yeah. My yeah. Um, I have a I have a good brother here that I work with and he created a initiative where. Hey man, get some, get some uh, like five books. That's like you know Malcolm, Dr. Amos Wilson. Let's go to the hood, pass them out. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's the phase we're in. We, we're we're black to the propaganda phase. We're not that. That's where we are right now, and and I think that's where our focus uh, uh needs to be. I can't help. We can't fight police brutality as a unit being miseducated. No, you right. Know what to do. We 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 will march. We are gonna sing. We are gonna chant. Then we feel powerless. We don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to make these people do what it is that we want them to do, even though they represent us well, and our players. Miseducation yeah. got us, in some cases, asking for more police presence. Well, that's 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 the that's the history that Biden and his cronies are trying to repeat now. Right. Because that's the plan that he implemented as a senator under Clinton. Yeah. Was you know create an atmosphere where they'll ask us to lock them up. Right. Damn. They mm-hmm. did that effectively in the mid nineties. They let Hillary Clinton come on TV and call me a, a super predator. Mm. And that's the atmosphere you see the drill, the drill movement, and and YSL, and all the stuff that's coming on, and how yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. And they're putting black faces on the prosecution, you know. And and so so this rift between black youth and black adults is happening again. Right, right, right. And, and, and this battle for black culture is happening again. Mm-hmm. And and so you mass incarceration is on the agenda. Right. It's always been a major part of the Democratic agenda. It's really bipartisan, but it's a major part of the Democratic agenda who've been fighting to put us back on the plantation since after slavery. Mm. Mm. The Democrats that burnt down Wilmington, it was Democrats that burnt down Tulsa. Nobody want to tell everybody that was the Democratic Party. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And I ain't no Republican to hell with them too, right? <laughs> right, right? right. But but at the same time, you you have to be worried about, you better watch the one that's pretending to be your friend. Malcolm said he preferred the wolf over the fox. Yep. yep. The fox gonna play with you first. Mm-hmm. Then you're gonna get eight. Yep. 
the wolf is going to show you his teeth up front, at least you know what you're dealing with. And we saw that with Trump and Biden. We got a wolf, although a crazy one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wolf, but then we got a fox. And it's yeah. the same shit. Man, wolves, Trump's lies expose so much truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so, so when you know what you're dealing with, like these ultra white now, they say we want a white ethno state. Now, some folks thinking, oh, that's horrible. They want a white ethno state. But all I'm thinking is, well, where were the black ethno state? Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> state than just out of the sheer numbers, <laughs> right? Accidentally have a black ethno state, right? 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 Hmm. Y'all gonna move your white ass to Maine. We don't want that. <laughs> we don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want it. To Maine. I ain't tripping. Right. To Maine. Give me South Carolina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me Mississippi. Yeah. Give me Georgia. Yeah. We straight. Y'all can have all that snow. Y'all can have all that snow. Give me Illinois back. Black people in Chicago. Time to come back home. Mississippi, right? <laughs> come on, baby. Another a new great migration. Yeah. Take over some of these cities. Take over some of these states, man. And and take over our children. Most importantly, take over the minds of our children and 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 the narrative that they're being fed. Mm, and we'll we can end it on that note. Yes, sir. So, I mean, uh, you know, I gotta have you back, man. We I got right. I got like a list of both questions I wanna <laughs> I wanna deal with you and pick your brain on. But um when this comes out, everybody, the link will be in the description. Uh, right. for Uhuru Academy, make sure you donate. Um, it's a it's it's a great school. I say kids are doing great, and we enrolling y'all. You know, we we online live K through twelve. We have students all over the world right now. We international, all See? right, full time K through twelve. Uh, uh, and it's an online experience like no other. It ain't like what the public school did. We live. And we're right. interactive. Y'all check us out. The cash app is dollar sign Uhura Academy. If you'd like to support, you go to the website, uhuraacademy.com. Uh, uh, we're also built in the, in the midst of building our own learning platform as well. Uh, so we'll be housing black education, uh, at the Uhura Academy, you know what I'm saying? For the whole world. So, so when you support us, you're supporting real initiatives, you're supporting African Center education. Shout out to all the other African Center educators out there on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Without us, without y'all wouldn't be no us, uh, in, uh, yeah, man, we appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me on Wise and Don't. Nah, man, I appreciate you for coming through, and we'll definitely uh, build uh, soon, man. Keep up the great work. Uh, you always Thanks. inspire uh, me and everybody else, man. You know, um, you earn the name, you know what I'm saying? So we appreciate you. Like, man, hey, the hood gave it to me. Can't nobody else take it yeah, from me. Exactly, right? Exactly. Can't the hood, take they blessed me with that, you know? So <laughs> I'm good. It wasn't no ceremony. It wasn't nobody doing no three-cheek. It was dap up. That's my nigga. No, that's my Bible. I'm here. And, you know, we appreciate you, God. Appreciate you too, black man. All right. Peace.